0: So, honesty, creativity, and realism, and you've got yourself some content. I buy that. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 40ish. Insert John's snarky comment here. Thanks, Lance. That was helpful. You know, Moody's not with us tonight, nor is Tucker. They had what other things that are more important? Seriously, what's more important than hanging out with us? I don't, I don't even understand. I, I'm, I'm going to say things that he can't defend. I feel, I feel bad. I don't feel bad. Jackasses. They need to be here. Uh, so, well, tonight I'm joined by Lance. Hello. <laughs> and then there's a whole lot of silence because other than our guests, no one else is here. But speaking of guests, uh, we're privileged today to welcome in. Uh, Mr. Damien Ross. Damien is known for a lot of things, but his world that I was introduced to as of late is his life as a digital nomad. And we're definitely going to dig into that a little bit. So, uh, Damien, welcome to 40 ish.
1: Hey, hey. I just got a text from Moody and Tucker. They want me to meet them at some bar. So I got to go. Okay. Damn. Cool. Awesome. So I appreciate
2: it. <laughs> it sounds like they're having a lot more fun. So, yeah.
0: I would not discount that statement at all. They, yeah, I.
2: <laughs> Sounds like a plan.
0: Actually, we should just go to a bar. <laughs> no, I'm going to continue to drink my grape crystal light or whatever this is. There you go. Mm. Delicious. So, well, before we start picking your brain apart, Damien, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah,
1: yeah. So – uh Thank you for saying my name right. I mean, that was—it's spelled really funky. It's D E M I A N, and everyone that meets me online, it's usually Demian, mm. and so that kind of that kind of burns sometimes. Where so it's like, no, nah, my parents did not name me after a demon. They yeah. named me after the devil child, but that was like five years later. In their defense,
0: um, oh, fair. You earned it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, definitely, they named me right. So um, I, I do nothing right now. As of uh, November first, I've been unemployed and uh, kind of just rocking trying to figure out what it is I'm gonna do next. But in that, I'm traveling the country full time in a fifth wheel with my best friend, Nikki. And I've been doing that since June 1st of 2017, as we both wanted to get the hell out of Southern California and figure out where each of us wanted to live. And um, that was the, the original idea was we were just like, let's just go to Texas. It's so cheap. (laughs) You know, you can buy a million acres for $4. And um, we thought, well, maybe it's not that cheap. And then we thought maybe Texas isn't it. And what if we did an RV and we still both don't know like how the RV conversation came up but we're like let's just get an RV and travel the country.
0: So is it your RV? Is it her RV? Is it a mutually shared RV? What uh, Yeah, yeah, it's. happened to have one sitting in the driveway right? I mean yeah no we went and uh, we, we bought a truck.
1: We bought an RV. It's a, a 50-50 partnership um, and uh, that was kind of the idea too because both of us obviously living in Los Angeles just the nut to survive in anything in LA County was ridiculous. And you know, I was single, she's single. And the idea was, wow, we could like almost be roommates when we were talking about Texas. And then we thought, this is the same thing. It's actually, if you're coming out of Los Angeles, this lifestyle is actually a lot cheaper than most lifestyles for sure. And you get to travel and see the country, which really works out.
0: So out of all the things you're keeping track of and all the questions I'm going to have, are you writing down like the best breakfast places to hit, like the little mom and pop places, or is it strictly cooking in the RV?
1: No, no. We, um, there is a lot of cooking in the RV for sure. But when we are in areas where they're kind of known, uh, when we were in North Carolina, man, I, I honestly put on about 20 pounds just eating barbecue because oh, yeah. the barbecue is <laughs> So yeah, we do definitely do that. Um, but yeah, it's like right now I'm in uh, Pueblo, Colorado. I'm at Pueblo Lake State Park. There's probably I'll say there's 200 spots here. There might be 10 people here right now, so it's like really wow. quiet and nice, uh, which is kind of normal in the the Sunday night to Thursday night kind of scenario. Most campsites, you know, get that crowded, you know, Friday through Sunday kind of situation. But even right. this it's Friday through Sunday, it's just bare bones. It's great. Like I'm I'm looking at the lake and. I think it's like I don't know something like fourteen dollars a night to stay or something stupid. It's great.
2: Now, how long do you normally stay in a place like that? I mean, you know, with you being a nomad? Do you you know kind of cop a squat for a, a few days or a week or?
1: Yeah. So uh, in the beginning, when we left in June, we um, we were rapid firing because I was supposed to be over in Boston for Inbound, and we did a like a June loop and went back to California for uh, VidCon, and then we left, and I had to like. We did 4th of July at St. Paul, cause it, St. Paul Oregon, because they have this huge rodeo, and I'd never been to a rodeo, so like earlier, Jason, you're like, that's not my first rodeo, like I legitimately can say this is not my first rodeo. <laughs> that was the only reason I went back to the St. Paul rodeo last year, was so I could walk around and say, it's not my first rodeo, bro. It's
0: not my first rodeo. <laughs> Just not. And
1: then we, we had to hightail it to what I thought I was going to inbound, and then like, at some point on the way over, uh, the bosses at B were like, nah, you don't really have to go to Inbound, don't worry about it. And I was like, crap, I had all this stuff lined up, trying to rush over there. So, um, I, I guess originally part of the idea is this would make travel easier for my job, going to conferences and stuff like that, but it actually, it, it's really a terrible idea to RV like to and from conferences. It's just not smart, because you usually have to park like really outside of the city. Mm. Uh, it doesn't really save any money to the company you're working for if it's out of your own dollar. And then you're so disconnected when you're at a conference. So we stopped doing that. So, uh, Colorado is our 28th state and we're coming up on two years, but I want to say, unfortunately the rig was in Oregon uh, for about five months. So we lost a lot of like just traveling uh, for like five months. So we, you know, we, we went really fast, 26 states in like, I want to say like almost a year, like we just banged through it. Like it was crazy. Um, With the job that I had, I could only really move on the weekends. So that made it, you know, like where you're always pretty much staying somewhere for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, you know, I, I don't really have a gig so we can get up like we're leaving Thursday to Santa Fe, New Mexico and then uh, Friday I'll be hanging out with friends down there and then Saturday we'll go to Albuquerque and I fly back into Los Angeles because my youngest is turning 18 and it's just like it's so much better being able to
0: control when I go rather than
1: I got away till Friday at five o'clock to move. Right.
0: I was just thinking, uh, when you're saying it's kind of a difficult thing to travel to conferences via RV, my first thought is, isn't that how Madden, John Madden, travels? Because he's afraid to fly. He's got that super bus, and that's how he went all over the place. I'm like, oh, that's how Damien's going to roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I mean, I wish I had his money, for sure.
1: I'm pretty sure they let him park, like, at the stadium. Probably. You know what I mean? Like, they hook him up, and then he probably stays in a hotel. But, yeah, the the two times that I tried to do it, I I went to – what did I go to? Um, in Cleveland. Is it content marketing world? Content marketing world. Yeah. And I had to stay like the campsite was way outside of the city and it just was the drive in and then the parking. I was like, Oh, I should have just stayed in a hotel, you know, cause you're just going back late. It's just not, you know, my boy Jeff that was on two weeks, you know, he's done a lot of RVing to and from, and I think he's learned it too now where they just, it's a smaller rig and they stay in hotels. It's just not, it's not as smart as you think it is, you know, it's just better to travel and, and work and travel than work and travel trying to go to a conference. I was just go saying,
0: ahead. Ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying, I think the fifth wheel might be the way I would do it, only because I always think about those what of those class A motorhomes where it's like the all all in ones, but that once you park somewhere, if you want to go somewhere else, you have to disassemble everything and break it all down and drive that, unless you're towing a car behind you. Where with the fifth wheel, you can pop the truck off and make a quick run or go visit a local site or...
1: Yep, let's break it down for people really quick, just so you guys all know. There's a, there's what's called Class A's and Class C's. Class A is like the real big ones that you see people hauling around. Class C's usually have like the little bed above the passenger and driver. Kind of, kind of how they define those two. So they have engines and they drive. What Jason was saying is I have a fifth wheel is that my trailer will actually hook up into the bed of the truck. So part of the, the rig is actually over the pickup truck and it gives it a lot more stability for you to pull something a lot heavier and there's the standard bumper tow kind of trailers that most people know mm-hmm. um, for us long distance long stays not wanting you know you know I live in it full-time so if the engine breaks down if I had a class a and the engine breaks down I got to take that to a service place and it could be there two or three days and I'm in a hotel I don't know if, you know, Jeff, who was on a couple weeks ago, he talked about this, his towed vehicle, the vehicle behind it is what got hit by someone, you know, changing lanes. And it like destroyed the RV and he was out of it for, I mean, months or something. It was crazy when he was trying to do all this traveling. And it's like, my truck has a problem. I drive my truck and I still live in my rig, you know, so it's really the way to go if you're doing full time. And let me just say this too, just in case everyone's like, "Ooh, I want to do this. Don't let anyone convince you that there's anything faster in breaking down or setting up in a class A, class B, class C, a fifth wheel or normal trailer. They're all about the same in regards to set up and go. It's really just more about your lifestyle. I'm six foot six. The ceilings in here, even in the high points are six foot seven. In the kitchen area, it's eight and a half feet tall. So in the areas that I stand up, I feel like I'm in a normal home. The areas that normally you sit, like I'm in the living room right now. At six foot seven, it's not a big deal. But Class A's—they're like six five sometimes. I'd have to duck walking all the through it. Mm. You know, it's—it's it's not a big guy's lifestyle,
2: that's for sure. <laughs> now, what I was going to ask you uh, is—and and Jason travels a lot more than I do, even. But with you doing twenty-eight states in you know, just over a year, what—what what would be the one location that you've been—that you've been to that? was you know kind of made the biggest impact on your either on your memory or on your life or what would be that one location that you know in all those different places you've been? Sure. So um I have the saying that I always say that I was born in Seattle. I learned to talk in
1: Boston, learned to walk in New York, learn to fight in Germany, learn to run in Los Angeles. So I've lived in big cities my entire life okay. about 40 of my 48 years were spent in Los Angeles so it was the beginning years that my parents did a lot of traveling so for me what I found out was man I hate big cities like I love the small town just like relaxed everyone knows each other you can tell I'm from LA people will come up and be like how come you have all your shit locked up and I'm like oh because I'm from LA right. <laughs> like, well, no one's gonna steal it here and I'm like "Oh, okay um, West Virginia is probably the one that surprised me the most, where I can't, I, and Lance, I wish I could say it's because of this, but man, I really felt like at ease and relaxed. Everyone's got that like Zig Ziglar draw. It reminded me a lot of the 80s, not in the sense that, you know, like they, they hadn't grown up, but like were kids, like here, I'll give you an example. I was at this, uh, this park and I was at a lake and I saw these kids ages four to probably nine get on like paddleboards and kayaks and like go out to the island which was you know a good i'd say maybe like 300 yard little and it's just this little island not one parent went with them hmm. and it just was like oh shit this is like when i grew up like when none of us our parents didn't go with us and when i went to restaurants it was like kids were the bus boys you know it wasn't some grown-ass man it was like a kid that was yes sir how are you doing sir how can i and i was just like this reminded me it was just something about it and then uh Utah has also been one, which was weird because I went and played ball right out of high school to Utah and I didn't have a really good experience. just because I wasn't Mormon and I oh. like to drink and I like girls, so it just didn't go over well.
0: <laughs> well. You weren't their ideal candidate.
1: I was not their ideal. <laughs> I, was just, I, was, I was bad. I was bad all the way around. So um, I fell in love with like the zion st george kind of area i mean doing uh the narrows and doing angels landing which was probably my first real kind of hike as a city boy you know outside of griffith park kind of a thing Mm. um that area is beautiful i mean the weather's fantastic the water's great out there in different lakes um and it's still really affordable so those two kind of really blew my mind oregon and texas would probably follow into the top five i will say this florida is number 50 and i've only been the 28. so how about i Michigan. Know, I I just know the other ones. There's no way. There's no yeah. way they're going to be worse than Florida. Florida was no,
0: dang. no. And memes
2: aside, yeah, it's it's an interesting place. Well, it's like I because I, you know, I I'm in North Carolina is where I'm at, and you know I grew up in I grew up in Michigan, and I've been down in North Carolina for um, a while. Well, yeah, twelve almost twelve years now. But <clears throat> and it, it's weird because when we first moved down here, it was. I mean, there's so many people that don't live, you know, that are not natives here and that, I mean, they move from other places. But right. one thing I liked about this area is that you've got the, you've got the the Southern lifestyle and the Southern way of living as, you know, as far as the laid back lifestyle, slower pace, but you've got people that work their ass off, you know, cause they're all from the North and they're, you know, they're these blue collar workers that come down here and, They work their ass off but they know how to they know how to relax and you know have a good time too so that's it was just a great really great dichotomy uh, you know of the the difference between you know that southern lifestyle and that that northern kind of work ethic and that working uh, kind of attitude so that's what i I love about this area
1: i love north carolina I, i actually spent most of november december flying back and forth between uh Oregon and the OBX and the Outer Banks, Snag's Head. I actually really like that area. I mm-hmm. like the Atlantic a lot. I'm a Pacific Ocean kid, but man, you know, I enjoy the Atlantic as well.
0: Yeah. I'm just saying, Lance, I'm, I'm playing 40-ish bingo. I've collected dichotomy now from you. Okay. So, yeah. As soon as I say crux, <laughs> the podcast is over. Shit. <laughs> um, so, Digital Nomad. It, what's interesting to me is I have only recently, I would say in the last couple months, paid any attention to or and or discovered myself Reddit. And I started looking at, uh, I'm a remote employee for our company. And you start looking at the differences between what a remote employee is and a digital nomad. And it's very, very interesting the careers people have carved for themselves as digital nomads. Uh, I even had a coworker friend of mine who who left our company to do something called uh, remote year. Are you familiar yeah. with this program? I, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So she did that and she basically said by about month seven or eight, if you ended up somewhere in the world that you just, that just kind of called to you, you stayed there. Um, but her job was just completely freelance work where she could grab it, what she could find um, in your life as a digital nomad, which you say you officially started basically summer of 2017 when you're previous gig kind of ended and you took on this new lifestyle what was your hopes for your life as a digital nomad and and what has changed in in your outlook and perception of what that lifestyle is supposed to be like or what it's like for you yeah so um,
1: I started looking for what you'd refer to as a remote job once I got the remote job I got it in October of 2016 and once I had where it was just internet and phone and I could do my job and, you know, every once in a while I'll travel to a conference, whatnot, I was like, okay, we can do this. Let's go. And anyone that has that kind of a job, if it's nine to five. And that's why I'm always like, it's so fascinating to me. Like when I'm talking to like Apple genius care sometimes, I'm like, where are you? And they're like, oh, we're in a cubicle. Duh, duh, duh. I'm like, why aren't you working from your home? Like, why do you, you're just on a phone. Like, why do you have to commute and why do you have a building and all that He's like, I'd love to be doing what you're doing. I usually talk about it. It's, a, it's an interesting icebreaker. Sure. Um, so, it, interesting enough, that was some of the things. Like, I kept it kind of a secret before I left just because I was worried that people wouldn't really understand it and they would think, and I'll bring this up later, that I'd be on vacation. One of our editors that I was working for, she took, I want to say, like seven months and went over to, like, Spain. And did this Europe tour while still working and it was kind of funny they're like well you can be a remote worker you just have to live in the United States and I was like yeah that's cool I don't have a plan I just I was telling them I'm gonna move to Texas like I was right I was that so that at least they knew it and then this opportunity came up um but in November of this year I got canned so like like honestly like out of the blue like no real kind of warning you know a couple signs but I was kind of like come on they're not gonna there's no way I was just in San Diego in September filming like b-roll stuff for you know promotional material you're not gonna 30 days later can someone but then yeah 30 days later they can mm-hmm. um so now I am kind of like in that that same part where people when they start up is okay now what what do I do where I can still have this lifestyle and but after you know in June it'll be two years I am kind of itching for a home base again because I don't have a home base this is mm-hmm. it this is all I have. Um and uh, you know, my thought process is okay, maybe I try to find something to purchase and then, you know, spend months there and then months on the road, blah, blah, blah. But again, I'm, I'm kind of I'm screwed right now because I'm mostly getting canned kind of through a lot of those plans out the window. So it, I hate to use the word stuck because this lifestyle is pretty freaking amazing. But the, the idea of how I wanted to transform it got kind of screwed. So, um, but I really, if you have a remote gig and you know, it's a little bit of a tweak to work out and figure out the internet, which is doable. I mean, I have both Verizon and at and and there's lots of resources online on how to you know, find it and get boosters and you know, when you stay somewhere, is it a good signal, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the only thing I wish I would've done differently is this rig is too big. It's really 40 feet long, 16,500 pounds. It's a beast. It's really driving a condo and you don't need, especially for two people, you don't need something this big unless you have like really big pets and a lot of kids. You really don't. And, uh, that's my only regret. I just went too big.
0: I saw it in one of your, uh, one of your videos. And we're going to talk about the videos here for a second, uh, like three or four ago when you were, uh, you were, you were emptying the the black water tanks. Yeah. 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 And I, and I'm looking at this going, my God, I did not realize how freaking big that trailer was. Yeah, like really, that's a monster and I know you're tall so my my mind was like well obviously it's because of that but no that you're right I that thing is a hoss just yeah, it's, a hoss
1: it's 450 square feet um I mean it came in really handy the uh, three of the four kids came to visit me when we were in Oregon at a lake and you know the weather was kind of bad so all of them got to sleep inside and one brought a friend so there's four kids sleeping in here my boys are big i mean 65 and 68 and uh you know they did they did fine like it was it was mm-hmm. great but i've only had them like twice in the entire so you just don't need it and then it goes back to what we were talking about earlier if i had something that was more like a like a van conversion mm-hmm. and then you can really do city stuff you really can like you can get in you can park that at a hotel and stay in a hotel and then come back out and then go and be on the outskirts it's really a great way to think and look at it rather than you know i was new to this i'd never pull i pulled a boat in like a, a u-haul one time and then to transition to a fifth wheel 40 foot like that's nuts like this thing is crazy to back up
0: so if you're looking for a home base and you're no longer wowed or needing a large city because you could get to them like you're not going to live in a new york boston la detroit chicago no what does the world of uh, tiny houses come into play oh okay so yeah my my future plan is this
1: is i'd like to own a thousand square foot home and i'd like 200 square feet of it to be the shower and I kid you, nice. not. like at six foot six, 260 pounds. I don't <laughs> care if there's, awesome. like, if there's like bleach seating where people can hang out and watch. Like I just like, especially after you know, almost two years of like a, you know, of an RV shower. It's a decent sized shower, but it's not like an RV shower, you know. Um, every time I've stayed in a hotel, the water basically hits my chest. Yeah. let like it's never above my head. And so for me to actually have like a waterfall and jets going, like that's the idea. So um, I, big picture, if I could really do it the way I'd wanna do it, it's enough land to purchase, build a little custom thousand square foot home, build a little studio. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure Nikki would still wanna be on the property. She'd probably love to have a tiny home. So she'd have a little tiny home on the property. I'd love to have like four or five RV hookups Mm-hmm. And then even some other just tiny homes that, you know, either when the kids come and visit, they're staying in or I could Airbnb and introduce this lifestyle to people. Like, I just don't think people, here's the thing for me. I was actually, you know, I was a kid that, you know, when I, was, when I was 26, I was facing 28 years in prison. I thought it was cool to carry a gun. I thought it was cool to be like a wannabe gangster. Mm-hmm. And once I got out of the city, a lot of that, that even still sticks with you, even later on in life where you just think there's always someone trying to do something and you got to keep, you know, your guard up. Once I got out of LA, like a lot in New York, a lot of that just went away. Like, I don't, I don't worry about anything anymore. Like I just never, like, it's great. Like, it's just like, you know, like you can leave your keys in the truck if you wanted to mm-hmm. and it would run out and you can leave it on. It'd run out of gas and, I, that's one of the funniest things I remember. is when I was in the O B X recently, some guy had his moped running, and I was like, "Hey, your moped's running." He's like, "Yeah, it's a bitch to start. I'll be right back." In L A, that would be gone. Like, that would be like, yeah, someone would be like, "Oh, I thought it was one of those you know new scooters that you just rent." <laughs> so, um yeah, that's like my big kind of like end goal would be just to have the property. And for me, it's I got one kid in New York, and I got three still in California. My middle or it's like you have four kids. You can't say middle. My right. younger son wants to get out of California. He loves Texas too. So at some point I might have one in New York, one in Texas. And I believe the girls will always stay in Southern California. They're just beach kids. Um, so I just want my grandkids at some point. I have All my kids are adults. Um, I, I want my grandkids to experience this, like experience horses and, you know, shooting guns and not have to shoot them at people. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, where, you, know, you hold the gun correct, not like sideways and um like, like my ideal like no joke i would love to like end up with like a ranch that's like near like a horse ranch and like a cattle ranch and yet like you, you can look at those animals and i could tell the grandkids those are mine that's all mine those people mm-hmm. take care of my my horses and my cattle but <laughs> it's like it's not mine like it's like it's borrowing someone else's dog it's that kind of amazing and that's available that's you can find that for sure
0: oh yeah get to be pretty good friends with those neighbors really, really fast. Here's
1: a real quick fun thing too that in Los Angeles, I was telling someone, this friend of mine from Los Angeles, and I was sharing like an idea of an area that I like. And he's like, well, where's the closest airport? And I'm like, that's about an hour and a half away. He's like, holy shit though, an hour and a half, that's hard. I'm like, bro, you're 15 minutes from LAX, it's an hour and a half. Give me a break. I'm just an hour and a half at 90 miles an hour because Five, you know, and, and that's another shocker. Wait, speed limit's eighty-five. Like, yeah, bro, don't mess around out there.
0: Yeah, the, the, I oh man, middle <laughs> of the country stuff too. Um, so I was thrust upon you by mutual friend Jesse. Uh, yeah, I was thinking I couldn't think of it, it was coming out the wrong way, so I just went with it. Um, <laughs> Uh, when you were doing what was, I thought, a pretty ambitious yet doable project, uh, which you had entitled Road to 300, where it was your intent to make a what you described as a meaningful video every day for 300 days. You gave yourself a year, 365 days, so that you had some leeway. You had some hiccup days and stuff like that. But you ended up accomplishing 300 videos in 300 days without a miss. Yep. Is that correct? And then when we start talking about this, you are getting ready to do something else, and it turns out that this has morphed into no longer road to three hundred, but road to one thousand. Yeah, yeah. And you are three ninety two.
1: Yeah, I shot three ninety two today. That's
0: yeah. right. Uh, I need to know more about this because I, from from an outsider's perspective. I gain a lot by those one to two minutes a day. I just do. It's just somebody else's perspective. I gain a lot about the outtakes. I love, I just, Thanks, if brother. if no one knew, knew who you were, they can get a complete sense of you from those and that realism. Like when you're trapped, caught in the snow up in Oregon and I'm looking at it at the time, you know, three feet of snow sitting out my window here in Michigan. Hmm. Um, and how, I'm just going to say it, how very, very, different you are in these videos versus social media posts that you put and and the way I look at it is this I want to know about the video project but I want to know if it's the same Damian Ross in the video that seems to be kind of hard on himself in a a wanting to grow way Mm -hmm. in your other social media world in your Instagram posts. there's like inspiration and then kick yourself in the nuts and then there's then there's uplift everybody and then I'm gonna Rochambeau, everybody I know. I'm just I I gotta know more. So let's let's start with the video project. What what encouraged and started the road to three hundred, and then made you decide that it's time to morph this and make it something bigger?
1: Yeah. So uh, I just got done with the conference I was working for, Social Media Marketing World 2018. Um, obviously, video is a big play. I'm a sales guy. My background is really more marketing than sales. Um, And I just needed a creative outlet, to be honest. And I thought, okay, well, let me document like three goals that I wanna get 100% of. And that was where I came up. Originally it was gonna be called the road to 400 because I had four goals that I wanted to do 400% of if you do the math, but I dropped one of them. And then all the goals had a 300 number. So I had three different goals. One was to do 300% more than I did the previous year in sales. One was to connect and really try to build relationships with 300 people and one was to record 300 videos over a course of a year. And, you know, originally I really thought I could do daily, but I was just so worried about internet or upload or, you know, I've been pretty open that I, you know, kind of suffer and battle with depression and anxiety and sometimes that can make it hard to, you know, hit the record button, put it out, or what if I got sick, blah, blah, blah. So really, honestly, it was a creative outlet. I'd love to be able to tell you that the outcome that it's become was my original idea. That was it. Hmm. So after like day 10, I started getting a little bit of flack from the people I was working at. Cause they were like, well, does the 300 mean 300,000? Because my goal was like somewhere around 300,000. And I'm like, no, it's 300%, but I haven't even really talked about it. You're using your inside information that no one's ever going to match up to. And so it became that. Um, and here's some weird things that came out of it that I didn't know. And this is where I feel it's really powerful is that when I was doing sales calls, this came up a lot, like Jesse, who, you know, introduced you to you. I was trying to pitch TechSmith to be a sponsor and they became a sponsor. And, but to be able to like call someone or email someone and say, Hey, it's Damien. I'm in, you know, Surf city, Texas. And then the next week I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And now I'm in you know, Salt Lake city, Utah. There was always this like, Hey, what the hell's going on? Every time you email me, you're in a different area. And I'd be able to talk about the lifestyle and I just build these relationships. And I didn't know that was going to happen. It also got me kind of on the map, you know, for like speaking gigs mm-hmm. and speaking at events that the, the potential other sponsors of the event are my like customer prospects. And so I don't know about you, but this is a hard sell up the food chain when I was working there was, I can go to Content Marketing World as a speaker with a speaker badge and then walk the exhibit hall and meet and talk with people, or I can buy a ticket like any other attendee and walk the hall What do you think is going to be better? What's going to allow me to build and cut through more relationships? It's the speaker badge, 100%. They just think you're someone that you know what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I I couldn't sell that up the food chain for some reason. But I couldn't believe that those opportunities were coming my way. And it probably was around day 70 where I usually wear a white v-neck and I, I put on a gray shirt and people lost their mind. But I was like wow people are really paying attention because the views have never been there the subs have never been there I haven't really tried to grow that at all Um, and I've never been a guy that you know because me it's still a creative outlet like honestly if it's just a diary and I'm the only one that's watching it and doing it then that's fine um, I, I mean I'm starting a podcast it's very much like that it's just going to be me talking about this kind of like figuring shit out from you know, putting all my eggs in one basket and, you know, having people that I thought loved and cared about me just come in and say, okay, you're fired. Um, And then how to regroup and regrow from that. So the videos, because it's, because it's like two or three minutes and usually it's just me, if you haven't watched them, it's just me like saying, okay, today's topic. And and even this morning was just, I got a message from someone It was very encouraging and reminded me that what she wanted to say to me was that, when I was dealing with the trauma of losing my job that what my brain was telling me wasn't true and I have to forgive myself for that and I was like okay I'm going to talk about that I just got on and talked about it um I usually try my best to keep them pretty positive I mean there are some ones that really took 118 took a huge turn um a lot of them when I was going through a breakup were really kind of sad and you know kind of down and out kind of a thing um yeah, it just depends on the day. I mean, that's the hard part about doing daily. Is some days you're just in a shitty mood, and you gotta you gotta pump it out. But in regards to tweets and Instagrams, it's it's like that. I feel is like a lot more real and raw because it's you know it's when I'm having that emotion that I'll then say, okay, this is what I want to say right now, and it's not being filtered through a video. It's the same guy. There's no like people don't meet me and are like, oh, you have a different voice than you do in your videos, or you have a different attitude. It's the same, but you're right. There is kind of a, a, a bit of a difference. And then I'm still like, you know, January and February were just a down and out. I was in a depressed state. On the, I was on the couch. I always joked. I was joking. I was on the couch like 23 hours and 30 minutes. The only 30 minutes was I was shooting the road and editing it and uploading it. Mm. And then I went back to the couch. You know, and that was my day for a couple months. It was pretty down and out. Um, unless my roommate forced me to go to the gym. Other than that, and I don't I, I mean she forced me she would
0: encourage me. <laughs> uh, and then we get the shots on the rowing machine at the gym. I mean, yeah. there's, there's a whole, there's a whole world. If, if people, I encourage people to follow you along because it's just, well, go I mean, I, I'm, I'm
2: having trouble finding the words because I get different things from it, different days. Lance, what were you going to say? I, I was going to say, you know, with your, with your honesty about your depression, um, and i, I, I i would believe that the videos are helping too but what what other types of things do you, do you do to when you find yourself in those type of situations or those type of moods i mean what what other things do you do to you know to help get you out of those moods or get you out of those cuz i i i've never been in a i mean I, um you know i've never felt that type of uh, you know that type of um um, feelings before. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I've known a lot of people that have, but, um, and so what, what type of things do you do to, to help yourself in those situations? Yeah. So, uh, you
1: know, I mean, really, if anyone's listening, obviously first thing is get therapy. Like that's the first thing you need to do, especially if you're really down and out. And then if you have health insurance and you can look at some sort of medication, a lot of them really help out. So like, those are the two things. Um, okay. for me, just on a personal note, like, so just so people understand the difference between depression and anxiety. Depression is really living in the past and anxiety is living in the future. It's really okay. the best way to describe that so people understand it. A lot of people don't spend so much time in the past. And that's where, for me, that's what I'd end up doing is I would just get caught up in, you know, why did, what, how did this happen? How do I fix this? And you can't. You don't have a time machine. And then you just get stuck. Like that's the feeling. It's just stuck. And then you can talk about it. But the hard part is that for some of your people that are very close, it can be, it can just become draining. And, you know, they don't want to talk about just how kind of sad and down and out you are. So for me, it's really, it's about just like reading positive stuff, trying to stay positive. This is the only time I'll ever tell you to fake it until you make it. Like, I won't tell you to fake it until you make it anything else. But if you can in happiness, it does really seem to kind of like pick itself up. Um, People like to feed off of it too. I get a lot of messages and, you know, people want to know, uh, you know, the thing, the triggers were obviously losing my job and then, you know, losing a girl is just starting the date. Like they want to know about that. And that just sends you back into that because you can get caught up in victim mode if that's what your depression is in and around is something where you're like, "Whoa, is me. Um, So for me, it's the video series though, was weird that it just became this thing that I have to do every day. And it really did help me. And it still kept me connected where I think I just would have, I would have shut down you guys. I would have, I would have closed up my social media for a little while. Cause really all I was posting for a while especially like Instagram, once I hit 300, man, I stopped like a month posting on Instagram. Um, And then I was still doing videos every day, but I was just posting those on Facebook and YouTube. And it kept me like out there and still where people are reaching out, and especially if they could pick up, you know, that, hey, things don't look that good. What's going on? How are you doing? You don't seem your normal self if you know me and, you know, I'm not as joyous. So it's really just opening up and talking about I think that's why this isn't my mission. This isn't going to be like a big part of me, but I do feel like that because i'm you know you guys can't see it because i'm 6'6 because i got this giant beard because i'm all tatted up because i'm traveling the country because i'm actually kind of funny at times and i you know it, it can look like online like everything's great that everything's great and i'm still dealing with depression and anxiety i think really opens it up for a lot of people to say hey if damien's dealing with it and i've had this i've had messages where like you actually made me feel better if you're dealing with it no wonder i'm dealing with it because look at my life and i'm like that's ah, not really the case it's not really about your life because it's just a an inner feeling more than anything. Um, and I think talking about it and opening up about it really helps. I mean, it really does. You know, I mean, if I just stayed by myself and I I don't
2: know what I would do. <laughs> it's, I mean, is it almost like lethargic for you to, you know, to, you know, do these videos and, you know, see these posts from other people and, you know, I mean, to help you through that or?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, again, it forced me to connect in a way that, because here's the thing where people always say, hey, man, if you're ever down and out, give me a call. That's not how depression works. Depression isn't going to be, I'm going to call and be like, hey, talk to me. It's people have to find you. Mm -hmm. Uh, The things that I've learned through this last round. So I I had a really bad round in 2016. I went homeless for like almost three months. I displaced two of my kids, uh, one with a, a teammate that he was going to school with, and then one with grandparents. And my depression got terrible. I mean, to the point where it's the first time in my adult life, my real adult life that I really thought about suicide. Like that's how bad it got. There's just, I couldn't figure out how I was going to fix this. And, you know, I was a single parent raising two kids uh, and that something changed in me. Like I haven't completely fully come back since then. Um, I have good, good moments, but that really kind of changed me in a way that, and I just bottled all that trauma up. You know, I didn't talk about it. Uh, I didn't get therapy. I didn't look at meds. I didn't really reach out. I didn't open up about it. I just really kept it tight. And uh, when I got laid off in November, it, it triggered a lot of that feelings. Of, like, how am I going to – I got a kid in college. I got a kid in private school. I've got, you know, my responsibilities with my roommate. I'm dating this new girl. We're living in the Outer Banks. Like, how am I going to do all this? And it just triggered all that trauma, man. It just – it fucked me up.
0: I feel like there's a lot of um, – and by a lot, I mean a handful – so not a lot, of what I would call social media, I hate the word influencers as most most of them do, but people in the YouTube space that are starting to do what you're doing and that's shine a light on the reality that is the depression that sometimes hits people and how it's it's not painted with one brush. It's it's definitely different for every person. And then I see from an outside perspective uh, these little glimpses, of connections that you're making with people that I look up to or I'm becoming fans of, or that I've become aware of their, uh, their creative outlets. Um, one in particular, um, you connected with, and I don't know how he found you was, uh, was Casey Neistat back in yeah. January. Uh, when I saw that exchange, I mean, I'm over here like doing dances for you. Like, hell yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, if anything, it's giving awareness and exposure to people that probably would benefit from hearing your message. It's not like you're looking for someone to write checks to you or anything like that. You're actually just right. trying to live your life the best you can and and express things in the way that you can. And if other people can derive joy from that or learn from that or take a leap of faith of some sort from you know listening to what you say or how you talk about things or hopefully connecting with you, if they can be, end up being... Some of those new 300 people that you want to connect with. I never would have. I mean, the first time we talked, I was kind of a little bit starstruck, even though I was connected by Jessie, who right, was right. a wonderful, diminutive person in her own right. I'll yeah. get in get trouble for saying that. I know. But I call it. her, just so you know, I call her Pebble. She's my little rock. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And she came up before I did my secret little video project today and gave me the biggest high five. She's like, you got this. I'm like, do I? Thanks. I hope I do. Um, yeah, she's, she's awesome she is a cool we actually went to the same high school years apart we found out later so that's funny funny yeah um where have you found in your world inside of social media outside of the companies you worked for uh, where have you found the best connections with real people with real conversations i mean you don't necessarily have to name drop anybody or anything like that but where are you finding that you're having the most meaningful interactions is it exchanges on a youtube comment thread is it people responding to Instagram? Is it you reaching out to someone that you have, um, that's gotten through you gotten you through tough times or anything like that? Where are you finding the most strength in these new connections?
1: Yeah, so um, first, there is, a, there is a big side that when you get into any kind of bubble, no matter what the industry, genre, whatever it is, there's this, what I refer to as like this little bit of a circle jerk where everyone's just like, you know, kind of preaching and high-fiving each other. And it's just this like, you can get caught up in that. Mm-hmm. And um, I noticed when I lost my job with Social Media Examiner, Social Media Marketing World, a lot of people that were in that bubble kind of stepped away from me. Like, well, what, can he, what value can he bring now because he's not a speaker and he doesn't work there anymore? And so I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, it, you're a cool person. Thanks for that. Um, for me, it's really the DMs. Like, when, when someone DMs me and it starts off with, Damien, I couldn't post this publicly, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, mm-hmm. this is going to be real. And I've gotten some real real ones I've gotten ones where you know they've really felt alone and you know a lot of times when they're you know I I don't know I don't have all the answers I'm not trying to give people advice like even today it's like get therapy get meds like work that shit out like but have people you can talk to but I feel like that's where the majority of the conversations are. So when I have these guys, like I had this amazing moment in Denver, I was on this thing called the Road to Social where we were doing three social media events and there was a bunch of us and we were driving and I got to Denver and this guy, Joel, who was putting on the event, Joel Calm, he introduced me to a guy he's like, oh, this is Damien, he does a video every day. The guy's first question was, how many subs do you have? And I literally said, fuck you, dude. And his face, like even Joel was like, wait, what's going on here? Like, that's what you're gonna take my creative art and ask me how many subs I have? You haven't even watched the video. Why does that matter? It's literally the 1980 of what kind of car do you drive or how much money do you make? You know, it's like, it's the dumbest thing. Like, I'll be honest right now. I have 459 subs. There are 459 of my favorite people. At some point, I might have more videos and subs, and that's fine. Because I've done nothing to grow subs. I've done nothing to grow views. I've not played into that game at all. I barely even put hashtags. This really, like, maybe after 500, I'll say to myself, okay, Jamie, it's time to learn YouTube. It's time to learn how to grow a channel. And that'll be kind of what I'll do for the next 500 videos maybe. But right now, it's just about the way I monitor it is a video a day. As long as I'm doing that, okay, cool. And then the other thing is the engagement. Am I getting conversations? And real quick, I don't want everyone thinking that all it is about depression and anxiety. I mean, uh, on Sunday, I do like usually a story. And I talked about a story where I had to take a guy's date to prom because he was black. And the parents didn't want her to date a black guy. Like I was just telling this story of like Mm -hmm. something in my life. So and a lot of it has to do with the trip and it's always morphine like it's not one thing you know and and more
0: freaky friday please yeah 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 the double d's i changed I it i love to. those i love that i just because now as as a as a video creator myself i look at it. And I'm like okay how do you do that nope that's not how he did it shit i don't know how you did that how, i did one
1: you? the other day i did one the other day where i took a teal pillow and i hit myself in the shirt and i turned my shirt teal and nobody <laughs> freaking noticed I must've did it faster.
2: Yeah. I just, I just watched that episode today.
1: Okay. Cause it was so yeah. funny. I didn't have one person like, and I know I didn't do a good job of like selling it where I'm like, Hey guys, maybe I should change and, you know, like get the <laughs> pillow out. Where you can see it. So it was just my, I'm learning on the fly too. I don't set up a lot of time and stuff, but it was just funny that it, like the first double D I did, uh, where basically it's two of me. If you guys are listening, it's two of me in the shot at the same time, interacting with the other Damien. Um, that it, it takes a lot more editing. I move out of iMovie and I have to move into Adobe Premiere to do it. Um, it's just it's just different. It takes a lot more work and energy and scripting and writing. And so, I mean, I definitely want to do them more for sure because they got a lot of people interested. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a lot of it's a lot of work for sure. And I'm really trying to keep it. You know, I'm going to have my first coaching call tomorrow, and uh, I I haven't asked for this. I didn't set up anything. I just had someone, Damien. Will you coach me? Because I've never been consistent with this. And I'm like, yeah. And it's someone who I really look up to. So I was like, You bet, bro. Like, right. I wouldn't even charge you. And he just wouldn't have that. He was like, No, 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 no. Tell me what your hourly rate is and I'll pay you. And um, that blew me away because I have had in the series, ooh, I wanna say I have had twenty people say, Damien, you've encouraged me to daily, I'm gonna do it. None of them have panned out.
0: Yeah. All of them,
1: all of them have fallen off. And uh And I get it, but I think that's where I feel like that's a little bit of the secret sauce was I gave myself some outs by saying I'll do 300 in a year. And uh, I think that's really important. You know, I feel like people need to do that. If you're going to go to the gym, don't say you're going to work out five days a week. Say you'll do 100 workouts in the next 150 days. Like give yourself a lot of outs. So that way, you know, sobriety is the only thing where you kind of have to really maintain it. Like you can't. Right, Like just say, you know, I'm going to be sober for six months and then I'm going to drink for a month and I'm going to be sober for five. That's that's sober for
0: the year. There you go. It Um, it
1: averages. I I mean, I used to do that because then, you know, I would get sober for like a month. So that way I could, you know, lower my tolerance. (laughs) It just saves money. But it wasn't really about getting sober.
0: It's like being sober Um, during the weekdays and then hammering it on the weekends.
1: Yeah, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. So I think... I think for me, it's more, it's still really just about being creative and just saying, this is what I want to say today. I never really sit down and say, ooh, this is going to get viral. Ooh, this will get comments. I never have, honestly, I don't have that. I did have those with the double Ds where I was like, ooh. And 118, when I talk about, it's probably really one of the first times I really opened up about stuff. I was 118 into these and I literally sat down and you can watch me say, oh shit, this is going to take a turn. Yeah. And I was like battling, I mean, I edited a 25-minute video down to whatever, eight minutes. It's one of my longest videos or five or something. And I, I I struggled with it. I sent it to like 10 or 15 people. You guys think I should post this? I mean, this is really raw. I mean, I'm crying. I'm cussing. It's a little out of the, because everything else is, you know, kind of just jubilee before then, kind of a, you know, it's I'm a lighter. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so...
1: And I still think I have that up and down, because that's just me. Like there's days where I just want to be funny and goofy, and that's what I do, and there's days where it's like, "Hey, you guys, I want this is something I learned." And a couple days ago, I talked about that, where when someone's close to me, I need to tell them ahead of time that I suffer from this, and at someday I might be lethargic and just sit on a couch for you know 12, 14 hours a day. And I might not return your call and let them know that, like, don't take it personal. I'll come out of it. Give me a couple of weeks, couple of months and you come out of it. And it usually takes some sort of like weird trauma to kick it off, you know, and kind of being prepared for that.
0: It's kind of interesting. At... Go, you ahead. go
1: ahead.
2: No, you got it. <laughs> See, we're both on a vibe. Go for it. Yeah, man. we um. So on a personal level, Damien, what, what is your, what is your, and this may sound cliche, but, what is your happy, I mean, like, what is your joy in, in, in your life? I mean, like, what, what yeah,
1: would, yeah. So, no, no, I, I got does it. Does that
2: make sense? It's, yeah, yeah, so for me, it's really, it really is about making people
1: laugh, to be honest, with you straight up. Like, I've had someone, and, and I'll riff off a bunch of compliments. You're super smart, you're super creative, you're really handsome, you're really tall, you're really funny, the only one I believe is funny. And the reason I believe that is because I've been in groups with people that have never met me, and just telling stories and interacting, and they're, they're on their ass laughing. Mm -hmm. and and even like with the outtakes or little moments like I know there's times where if I sat down and scripted it I could make it way funnier I know I could and I could think of cuts and and ways like there was one time I was at a track and field and there's this huge tire and at the end I was like oh this is like a redneck hot tub let me get in it and I thought through that and you know sat in it was like Bubba bring me a beer you know just doing that kind of stuff and there's a lot of people like do you do more of that and I'm like I really want to keep it as simple as I can so it can stay consistent but I do feel like that's coming next because I really do and here's the thing people think I want to make people laugh for me to become popular or for you know the the eyes are on me right I always talk about this my mom produced The Tonight Show for 25 years and my dad's been in television and theater too that's a real kind of nepotism like they could have got me anything I wanted if I really wanted it, you know what I mean? I mean, uh, my dad's best friend was Michael Richards. My pay- my babysitter was, you know, Pee Wee Herman. Um, at, like there's just, like, like if I wanted to get into comedy and do it, I could have done it. You know, mm-hmm. unfortunately I had kids at a really young age and I had to play dad, but I, I, I love making people laugh and talking to them and bringing them joy. And when you're in a fifth wheel and your roommates heard all your jokes, this is a really kind of good outlet for that is to be able to bring people joy and make them laugh. And that was the idea of the outtakes. Like, you know, hang, even if the subject matter is serious, hang out and I'll try to throw in some just riffs off the top of my head. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's, you know, it's what it is, but it's still entertaining. But that's, yeah, like, honestly, that's my, that's my joy, man. It's for sure.
0: Well, see that's, so I'm hopeful for that. I'm hopeful if you're adding more of that aspect of you to your videos that people, who have been along for the ride, so to speak, that have watched those outtakes just get a greater sense of who you are and that people who are newly discovering you are not looking at it, that as a shtick, right? As, as like always right, oh, right. trying to earn. Like when you're not, when you're just funny and you're not trying to be with like in serious intent that that's the best, right? That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like our group of friends, we get together and it's within minutes and we're all dying And it's always something so stupid. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, no, I can can fully appreciate that. And I battle with it, you know, like there's times where I'm like, damn it, why didn't I
1: just keep my mouth shut and just do the one year and now move to a weekly that's a lot more scripted, a lot more funny, a lot more entertaining, a lot more different video, B-roll, just, you know, like what's out there but I just still feel like this is the greatest way to learn this art form is mm. just to do it every day. And and I don't know a lot of people that have done a thousand videos in a thousand days. I mean, when I decided to do that, I didn't even know about Nas daily. I didn't even know that some dude did that and like put in real time and effort into it and really, you know, like fired mm-hmm. up and you know, has become a huge financial success and didn't even use YouTube to do it. Blah, blah, blah. I had no idea. Like literally the day that I announced road to 1000, someone was like, like Nas daily. And I was like, who the hell is that? And they're yeah. like, Oh, check out his videos. Kind of a thing. So, um, I still have, I, I have an idea for a weekly that I've been tossing around um, that would be a little bit more scripted and entertaining and storytelling and, and things like that. But for now, it's just still not, and, you know, there's a lot of people that go live every day. Like, they're just like, I'm going to go live and I just have too many ands and ums and my thoughts and I say something wrong or, and I just, I still need to jump cut it. Like, I just can't. I can't do it live and, and I'm learning the art of editing, you know, and jump my, if you watch some of the earlier ones, my jump cuts have gotten so much better mm-hmm. because I learned like how to, I learned how to talk to a camera for a jump cut. You know what I mean? Like there's really a way to talk to the camera and a way to move your head when you start a new sentence to bring in a better jump cut and to have that spacing. And like, I learned it, but I only learned it from doing it. I didn't see a YouTube course on how to do good jump cuts because they don't teach you how to shoot it. So it's a good jump cut. They just teach you how to edit it. But if you're right. If your footage is junk, you can't get good jump cuts that like draw people in and, you know, get people laughing and they don't even hear the next line.
0: Yeah. I mean, you are, you already have, you always use good natural light for the most part when you're outside. That's always there. The sound is always solid. Yeah. Oh, what do you, what are you shooting on? Uh, it's a Canon
1: 70D. I use the Rode video mic, which mm-hmm. I'm always blown away by. Like, honestly, when I was thinking about doing my podcast, I was thinking, man, maybe I'll just record it and then strip the audio right out of that instead of using this Rode mic. Um, I edit an iMovie. I don't have any external lights. Excuse me. Um, I just recently got like a tall enough, really lightweight kind of tripod that uh, could be Ford. Like Nikki was always holding the monopod for me. And she actually became kind of a a character in the series because her laugh's hysterical. And there were times where she would just laugh and it would just be like a a big part of it. but now that I have the tripod, she's not out there holding it as much. She still makes it in every once in a while. If she's close by and I'm saying something stupid, she'll laugh. That's a good. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and then obviously I edit it in, in iMovie. And then just because I had that background, I just wanted to do it quick. And then, you know, the idea is the weekly. And then even though obviously the double Ds uh, is learning. It's just all about learning. Like the reason I want to do a podcast is learn how to record and edit a podcast. It's not really about, it might just be me and, me listening to it. Who knows?
0: Right. I mean I started ours
1: because I like the sound of my own voice. There you go. <laughs> I I might myself really cranked up. I hear me more than I hear you guys right now. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, at least I hope that's me. Or it's the other voices in your head. That'll be the next episode. We'll talk about that. So um as as we're kinda getting close to the end, Damien, I wanna ask you for something that I don't think I've asked any other guest. Um in a minute here, I would definitely wanna have you tell everybody how people can do, help discover you on your different social channels. But if you had to give an elevator pitch for you as a person encompassing every different way people could potentially consume you in the social space, what is an elevator pitch for Damian Ross? Ooh, wow.
1: That's a good one. Um, all right, let me think about it for a second, then I'll bring it. Yeah. Because you guys can edit this and make it look like I just went to it. Oh, that's totally
2: cool. nice. Oh, no, we we pushed the elevator button. It's, uh, it's up on the upper uh, floors right now, so you're good.
1: <laughs> nice, nice.
0: Well, I'm in a small town, so the three floors is about yeah. as
2: much. As <laughs>
0: that's a skyscraper, right? Yeah, yeah. Why don't I keep I, thinking I, Pueblo, Colorado? The, the, what was, where's the uh, – we used to send away for – oh, it wasn't Pueblo, Colorado. Yeah, it was.
2: It was a Time uh, time Life books, wasn't it? No. Shit, I can't think of what it is. Hustler
1: magazine? Was it printed in the Club Hustler. Hustler was definitely for
2: Was it Out Magazine? Colorado. Is that what you're talking about? That's God, what it is. <laughs> we, we
0: Oh God, I'll have to find it. Nun's uh, Life. Nun's Life. Nun's life. <laughs> life after dark. <laughs> uh
1: an elevator pitch for Damien. Um You know, I, I just think really for me it's um I I had a really interesting different childhood. And I love talking about it. I love talking about the experiences. I love being real and transparent and honest and open, probably too open and honest and transparent for my own good. Uh, I'm probably at the point now where I'm completely unemployable just because of how much I've shared about just who I am as a person. And that's okay. I mean, like, I'm really enjoying this process. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that's That's me, like, you know, I'm not, I'm really not in it for any other reasons that people are creating stuff. I think I'm really different in that way. I think everyone's creating it to figure out a way how to monetize it. And I'm creating it just because I really love, I love just saying what my thoughts are for the day. And if all, honestly you guys, if all it is is just a diary for me later on, or for my grandkids to be like, let's check out grandpa. I would love to be seeing what my grandpa said when he was in his 40s in a heartbeat. I'd watch those videos all day long.
0: Right. And in high quality too, right? <laughs> without a doubt. Like, without a doubt. So before I ask you the last question, yeah, Pueblo, Colorado. It's the site of the U.S. government bookstores. You could, eat, you could mail away for pamphlets. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the federal government bookstores in Pueblo, Colorado. You should go find this. It's like a tiny little mail, mail stop. Um, I don't know. It's just, I remember this from the, don't you guys, you guys we're all the same ish age where we you remember it's like used to send away for stuff to Pueblo, Colorado. And I can't remember the zip code, but and, uh, now I'm going to find I'm going to totally tag the crap out of you guys. When I find these commercials, you'd be like, this is not what I signed up for. But uh, so Damien, we've talked about a lot of social media. If people want to discover you, find you, be a part of your world, where can they find you online? Yeah, so right now I'm
1: currently really on all the channels. So I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as at Damian Ross, which is spelled D-E-M-I-A-N-R-O-S-S. I kind of blew it there because the name is spelled so funky. I bet you I could have got at Damian. I was such an early adopter, but everyone was doing first name, last name. And uh, I blew that. And then I'm on YouTube as Damian Ross as well, too. Um, You know, I got two little projects that I'm working on. One is called Plan D. It's going to be a podcast where, you know, I kind of talk about kind of, you know, hitting the rock bottom and then, how I'm pulling myself out, and what I'm going to be doing is showcasing, you know, two businesses that I'm starting. One's a like a wholesale arbitrage kind of business with uh, working with marketplace clients in the Amazon space. It's something my roommate does. She does the retail arbitrage side, so we're going to partner up and do that. Bring my marketing kind of background to help people. There's people just aren't selling their products right on Amazon. There's mm. still, and Amazon just announced that they're not going to sell direct anymore, that everyone, they're pretty much going to be using FBAs. And so it's, you know, it's going to be the wild, wild west. So I'm excited about that. Mm. And then uh, I got something called Rootless that I'm starting. And it's just to really help teach and educate people in regards to this lifestyle that, you know, you don't have to put roots in where you work and you don't have to put roots in where you live. And, um, and it's not that it's bad. Like I, I don't want, like the hard part of talking about this, if you want to, be born in a city and die in a city that doesn't bother me but if you feel like you can't move out of your city and you can't experience a different city and have a different lifestyle you know there are there are starbucks managers in certain cities that live like they're making three hundred thousand dollars a year living in california you know what i mean like that's just because of what it is and i want people to understand that there's, uh, there's so many of my california friends that just don't get it like they just think that you're like the California is the only place that has sunny weather, you know what I mean? Or it has an ocean and like they just don't get it. And then, uh, I really feel like, you know, I think I learned a lot during, I, I think I should have learned these lessons when I got fired in 2014. And, uh, I learned a lot when I got canned in 2018, that you just can't have all your eggs in one basket. You can't believe, you know, I've, I've had Wednesday meetings that look like we're talking about future stuff and then Friday you get fired. And it's like, I didn't do anything wrong in that 48 hours. Something switched, someone decided. And I want to teach people and help people understand that they can find jobs and have multiple, you know, kind of streams of income that if something falls off, they're going to be okay. It's not going to be, you know, where you end up depressed. out of it. I don't want that for people, you know, kind of a thing. So yeah, come hang
0: out with me in those areas as I start talking about, you know, all three of these projects more. I'm a hardcore consumer of YouTube videos, but I'm even more so a podcast. So I'll be excited to check that out. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. so, well, my thanks to Lance for joining in the the ride tonight and to our guest, Damien. Damien, thanks so much for your time. I have, I appreciate it. I'm excited to release this upon the world, uh, and, and let people get a even deeper sense uh, of who you are for both of our listeners. And, uh, um, I I I can't thank you enough, man.
2: I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Thought uh, no, no. that was awesome.
1: Yeah, it was great to be here. And maybe I'll throw questions, you know, later on about what I need to be doing with my podcast to you guys, since you guys have been doing it for a while.
0: Just a couple. We've done a couple. We're proud of it.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Without it, cool.
0: Well, guys, I appreciate it. And if I don't talk to you before, I'll catch you in the next one. Yeah. All right, guys. See ya. Yeah.